I find working at these high-end uh, and prestigious restaurants um, gave me different insights to what I would get locally. And so I kind of reached for the highest. And again, the worst I can say is no. We absolutely love celebrating young talent, up-and-coming hospitality professionals on the Dirty Linen Food Podcast. When I heard that there was a secondary school student in Melbourne who wanted to chat about his work experience at Loon and Boudamond and other great restaurants, I absolutely had to know more. It is a real thrill to welcome Harry Laylor to the podcast. Harry, how are you going? Yeah, pretty good, thank you. Been keeping busy with school, but I've been keeping time into making my desserts at home. (laughs) Yeah, well, you've also got a great Instagram account where you share some of your dessert creations. Tell us, let's start there. Um, What have you been making recently? So I try to aim for my Instagram. I have a really high um, criteria, so I have to make sure everything looks perfect. (laughs) So I make sure I usually go for tarts and things that look amazing and then I do a bit of photography and there are some things I've made that just don't make the cut so I have to put them aside but there are some things that do so I you know croissants and tarts and danishes all make the cut and they go into my Instagram so what do you what do you find challenging and satisfying about these tarts croissants and other creations the satisfying part is definitely when people eat them and they just have that like wow this is amazing but also the the looks of them because some of them they're quite tricky to make i've like i've made tarts 10 or 10 or 15 times and the first five or six the tart bases would you know crumble when they came out or they'd break and so it took a lot of um trial and error to make sure they you know stayed together and used the right recipe and the right techniques to make them So, Harry, I guess one of the things with Instagram is that, you know, sometimes it's all about appearance. Do your desserts have to actually be structurally sound and taste amazing to make it onto the grid? Well, it's more presentation for me on the Instagram. So, if things, obviously for for me, it's the taste and the looks, but just for Instagram, it's the looks because people can't really taste Instagram. Um, (laughs) So if something does look really good but doesn't taste as good, I, w- I will put it on my Instagram, but hopefully they taste good and look good and that's my main goal for most Instagram posts. Yeah, love it. So, Harry, um, we've really jumped in, but let's backtrack a little bit. Put us in the picture. Like, um, what What's your life all about and how did food become such a big part of it? Well, it really started with my mum. She did a lot of cooking as a, at a young age. She did a, and a very diverse range of cooking too. She'd do Indian and Greek and uh, Italian, like a very diverse range. And that kind of gave me an idea of what food was out there. And this was when I was like five or six, so very young. And that kind of made me very passionate about food because you could put a bunch of ingredients in a bowl and mix it together and out comes, you know, a curry. And I was just, I thought that was amazing, that type of, that what, what you could do with the food um and but also the attraction to art i think because it's all about creativity and how you can put stuff on a plate to look amazing and taste amazing i thought that was really special and have you kept going like tell us about your schooling like where are you at in school and are you able to do are you able to fulfill any of these um these food interests as part of your education well um it's actually funny you say that cuz i'm actually going to speak to my school coordinator about doing some sort of 
apprenticeship or vet course next year, but I'll tell you what I'm doing currently. So I'm in year 11 completing VCE and I am doing two year 12 subjects to kind of make it easier for next year for me. I'm doing food studies, which is great because I love food and biology. So they're quite hard and they, I have to focus a lot on those because they do go towards my ATAR and that does put a bit of time toll on me for this year especially. But I have managed to still make a bit of time to make – I do dinner once a week for my family. So recently I made a budgeting curry and a vegetable dal, but I make sure I can do a bit of cooking here and there. So during the holidays I'll go and try to reach out and do a bit of experience at a restaurant and still immerse myself in the food whilst having a balance of school and sport. Wow, it sounds pretty challenging and quite busy, but very inspiring as well. So, okay, you were interested in food. How did that um, translate into actually doing work experience at some um, food businesses? Well, it all started off with uh, um, when I when I started working. So, I remember the minimum age for working was fourteen years and nine months, and then they changed it to fifteen years, and it was quite recent around that age for me. So. I had to wait another three months to start working, which was a bit sad, but um, it was right during lockdown as well. So I'm not sure if you're familiar with Mr. Burger. It's a food truck that do a lot of burgers and chips. And so I started off there for about a year and that was really good because I got to learn about the hospitality industry. I got to learn a bit more about customer service and the food standards and how to make and put out food really quickly. And I thought that was a good basic skill to learn before entering those nicer restaurants so yeah so then work experience came up in year 10 and that was a mandatory week where you have to go out and you don't you do a week in a field of your interest and people did law and accounting and food and so I thought that was a really great opportunity to try to reach out to Loon which was um quite a is quite a prestigious bakery and I thought that was that would be an incredible place to work so I emailed them and they said they'd love to have me in so I got to spend a week there and that was really special because I got a one-on-one um, support in you know, showing me how to do things and then making sure I was on the right track. And it was overall, that was an incredible experience at Loon. Wow, Harry, that's so good to hear because it is, you know, it is quite a, a lot for a business to spend the time um, with someone who's in there for work experience. And I guess really, yeah, it really says a lot about them as a, as a enterprise that they were willing to do that for you. Tell us about Loon. You know, it's such an incredible place uh, and it is very much on show to the public uh, that their Fitzroy Cube where they do a lot of the, the, the creation. Tell us about it from your perspective. What, what was it like to be there? It was honestly one of the best experiences I've been to. So you walk in um, on their trading hours and you just see their line of beautifully made croissants all presented on this big concrete block. And that was, and even the cube, which like all the lighting and the colours and the industrial look inside was all really inspired, inspiring to me. So the first day I got to work there, I had to wake up at 4.35am because I started at 6am on Monday to Friday and that I walked in and straight away there were people there going, oh, um, come with me and I'll show you how to do this. And I thought it was really special that they'd yeah, taken their time out to help me do these things because they obviously need to do what they need to do and for them to stop what they're doing and help me was a really special thing that Loon did. But I learned 
so much to cutting the croissants, to piping inside them, to um, measuring out and making the lemon curds. And one of the key experiences from Loon that I found was I got to observe in the cube one day and Kay Reid was also making the croissants in the cube. And she said to me, why don't you, you know, drop the notepad and pen and come down and actually help roll the croissants. So I got to help make the Vegemite escargots. And that was so special because you need so much experience to be able to be in there and do that. And for me to just go in and give it a go was really special. Ah, oh, that is such a cool experience. How wonderful. Um, you know, Kate Reed is such an incredible um incredible person and just an incredible figure in the industry. I think uh just that balance of precision and passion, that courage to do things differently. I think um yeah, there must have been so much to take from that experience. Yeah, that was heaps. Um uh, and so was there any sort of outcome did you need to like do an assignment on that or was there sort of something that you had to present back to your teachers at school about that, about that week at Loon? Yeah, so we, I got to take heaps of photos of, my, of what I was doing in Loon and uh, the Loon policies and allowed to share them so only my teachers could see those. But, um, yeah, you just pretty much take photos of small tasks that you do and my teacher came in at one point and took a few photos and was doing a small assessment, not just like having a look and talking to the um, chefs about what I was doing and so that was really, there wasn't really any work I had to do outside of that. It was mainly just getting the experience and seeing what that field of work was like. And so tell us about some of your other work experiences, Harry. Yeah, so I've worked at three other restaurants, um, Florentino's in January, so the Guy Grossi's restaurant. And I went to dine there, I reckon, last year in November, and I fell in love with the food. The food was so good, the atmosphere. And I was like, I want to work there when I in a little bit. So I emailed them up and they um, let me have the job for a week, which I was really excited about. And they started me off with some small tasks, such as chopping onions and finally chopping up herbs. And then they slowly gave me more and more. So I got to do take the meat out of a lobster. And I was a bit scared to do that because the lobster meat's very expensive. So you don't want to mess it up or not get it. And you make sure to get everything out. And then I got put on to helping make the pasta, so the tortellini and the capoletti. And uh, one of the key experiences I found with that uh, with Florentino's was that guy himself actually went out of his way to show me how to make his special pesto sauce. So he got to go through with me all the steps and one-on-one um, -on -one with me how to make this pesto sauce, which I found incredible. That was really special. Ah, oh, what an amazing experience. I just love hearing this. Um, okay, where else? Um, so then I worked at Audrey's. Are you, do you know Audrey's at the Continental? Sorrento. In Sorrento. Okay, right. Yeah, tell me about that. So I've got a friend uh, who works there and he um, said um, there's a if you'd like to come down to Audrey's and have a bit of experience with um, Nick and some of the other chefs, um, you're very welcome to. And I just, I took the opportunity um, and I thought that was an incredible opportunity to have in front of me and got in. And this kitchen was my first proper open kitchen. I got to see where everyone was sitting. It was quite a small kitchen and only like four or five chefs and so not a heap of chefs, but it, but that was great because it meant that it wasn't as busy and I got a lot more one-on-one -on -one support and how to chop properly and learning those basic skills from the start instead of just being put straight onto it. So they showed me how to make the perfect chop chives and how to make a um, perfect preps bench for when your services. And 
they actually put me on a service station, which I was really happy about. Um, they put me on a crab dish. So I was put on for the night making this one crab dish over and over as well as the vegetarian option of a tomato dish. And that was my first time on a station. And it was such a great experience um, being out in Sorrento near the ocean and having this fresh food to prepare and cook for the customers. That was really special. Oh, wow. How cool. And could you see people actually eating your dish? Yeah. So um, we, you could kind of see through certain parts of the restaurant, people eating and going, oh, wow, this is amazing. And um, it was that, that was one of my favorite parts about working is customer reactions, especially to things that you make. That's, it's just so cool to see them so happy about the food. Yeah, that's so special. Um, all right. And what was the third place? And so the last place was Voudemont and that was my most recent place I went to. So again, I just emailed them and I found that a lot of people, especially my age, just don't email people. So they have all these gaps that they just don't get people emailing. And so I find that emailing these places, there's the worst they can say is no. So I just go for it and try to aim for the highest. So I went for Voudemont and they asked a few more questions and they said that they'd love to have me. So in the recent holidays, so I think on July or June 28th, around that date, I got to work for a week and I was very nervous going to work here because the there's really high standards and I was scared that they would make mistakes and, you know, that would cause issues, but they were really good about it. I walked in and firstly, the views were incredible around the whole city, but there was someone there waiting for me and, they, they put me on these little prep jobs so they were like, you can help um, prepare the kangaroo meat. And then 20 minutes later, they'd take me away and put me on, you know, helping make a sauce. And so I got to move around really quickly and do all the prep jobs, which was really good because it gave me an idea of what every single part of the kitchen did for the um, prep time. And they always made sure to show me what to do. And then um, I'd do it and if I had questions, they'd be happy to um, help me. And then service time where we, I got put in a different station every night. So I got put in the souffle station, the dessert station, the fish section, the roux and beef section, and then the artichoke and oyster section. And uh, that was really great because it gave me an idea of what each section did and how different they all are. Cause some of them are quite, you know, slow pace and they finish early and some are really like you go, go, go and more detail at one and more techniques at another. And it was all really diverse. And that was incredible to see how everything worked at Voudemont. And Harry, people talk about hospitality as, you know, a pretty tough world, um, you know, that it's very high pressure, um, that, you know, perhaps people aren't uh, always treated with with kindness and patience. Um, what how do you, what's your perspective on the industry after your experiences? Well, I'm not very, I'm very new to the industry, so I haven't seen a lot of it, but from the, from the five places I've worked, I haven't seen any negative behavior or, you know, swearing at people or um, being angry at people. It's really, everyone tries to be as nice as they can because you're stuck with them for the time you work there. So you don't want it to be a horrible workplace where no one wants to go to work. So I've found that um, for these places and the people that work there is passion for food is essential. I found that people who work there have a passion for it and they're not just there for the sake of it. And I think that's important because there are long hours. You get exhausted from standing for so long, but the p- people's passion kind of fuels them to stay for it and drives them forward into the this industry, which um, after speaking to lots of people, this is kind of the kind of pattern I saw from people. 
And also the adaptability and willingness to learn. People are able to pick things up really quickly. You don't really want to be in a kitchen where you take five or six days to learn how to do something after being shown. You want to be able to pick it up quite quickly. And yes, it's okay to make mistakes, but you know, um, the adaptability and being able to learn skills quickly is really important. Mm, yeah, so interesting. And something, you know, I've obviously chatted to hundreds of people on this podcast and a not uncommon story is that people, you know, loved food. They, they they were sort of drawn to work in it, but, you know, life took them in other directions. They didn't have the support around them. People were validating their choice to work in hospitality initially and, you know, sometimes had to really... I don't know, like, to, um, count, worse, I guess, face the disapproval of perhaps family members or, you know, careers counsellors who were steering them towards something else. What's your experience on that? Did, are the people around you supportive of your passion? Yeah, definitely. There's everyone's at school and at home are always like, that's, that's so amazing that you want to take that career. Like, it's a hard career, but if you, you know, put in the work, you can make it to the top. And it would, it's obviously a very slow way moving up to the top. You can't just expect to be executive chef overnight, but it's slowly they they support you. And it's, I think it's more for family support, which is – and also in the workplace, the support there is important, but especially at home because you always come home to your family and for them to keep supporting you is a great thing to do. But as you were saying, people gigs, people leave and go to other directions. And I found that in the food industry, especially, there are so many opportunities you can have and you don't just have to be a chef in the food industry. Like I've seen there's front of house or there's food journalists. That's what you're doing. There are so many different jobs within the industry that if you don't want to be a chef anymore, you can change to be a business owner or a business side of food. And there's I feel like there's so many of those options where, yeah, people do get drawn apart from being a chef, but there's always something else out there for them. Mm, yeah, that's such a good perspective. So how do you see the path forward for you? Well, I see I really want to become a master of the trade, so um, be able to master the chefing skills, so the basic culinary skills and hopefully even a bit of pastry and then one day, once I make it to a high enough level of um, independence, I can hopefully start my own restaurant or a food business, depending on which one I prefer more at that time. Uh, and then after a certain amount of years, 20 or 30, however long I feel, I might move to the business side of food um, because I know as you get older, you get more and more exhaustion. Your body just can't handle the physical work a chef life is. So I feel like if you move to a business section and you calm down a bit, it's a bit easier and you're not out of the industry. You're still in, very much in it. You're just in a different area, which I find what I kind of want, I see myself doing in the future. In the future. Yeah, incredible. Um, when you emailed me, you you mentioned one of your 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 own quotes that you um, that helps drive you. Can you tell me about that? Yeah. So I kind of say to myself um, very often is. I want to aim for the highest to succeed for, succeed for the highest. And that's kind of saying, especially for the places I've worked at, is instead of emailing your local baker or your local cafe to go work, then that's great experience. But I find working at these high-end uh, and prestigious restaurants um, gave me different insights to what I would get locally. And so I kind of reach for the highest. And again, the worst I can say is no. So you just keep trying. Like I remember... 
I've emailed Key in Sydney and they were saying to me, um, come back when you're 18 and we can probably sort something out for a week. And I emailed, um, I'm, I think I emailed Attica and there were a couple places that I've emailed and they said no and that's okay because there's always other places. So um, when I was doing my work experience, I emailed a few bakeries around Melbourne and a few of them said no, but Loon said yes. So I was very happy about that. But it's all about, I don't know, trying to, trying to aim for the highest and then if you can do it, you get to succeed in the highest way possible. It's kind of the intention behind it. Mm, that's, yeah, really good. So w- what advice would you have for people who are thinking, oh, okay, well, maybe I should send out a few emails. How do you, how do you craft the, the right email to get it, I suppose, read and then taken seriously? Yeah, so I think the best way to do it is to start a, a smaller place because I found that the more places that I've been to, the more likely someone is to let you into the kitchen if you're building a small resume of places you've worked. So working at Mr. Burger was my first place and then emailing Loon saying I've worked at Mr. Burger and then emailing Florentino saying I've worked at Loon and Mr. Burger and then so-and-so and you can't build that resume up. But also just telling about your your work ethic, you just kind of put in about how you're going to work and what your ambitions are. And you kind of just almost make an email from the heart and it kind of, some people will see that and be like, that's great. We'd love to have you. And some people will be, would would be, it would be a bit of a hassle to have a work experience student. So it's all about just trial and error and just trying to craft it um, slowly and slowly until you get a high resume email. Yeah, great advice. So, Harry, you mentioned you want to be a master of the craft. Is there a skill or a technique or a dish that you're um, working on at the moment or that you would love to nail? Well, I have got about 20 cookbooks on my bookshelf at the moment. I've got like Cedric Grillet. Um, Do you know Cedric Grillet? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So, I have one of his cookbooks and uh, there are some desserts in there that are pretty spectacular and I'm trying to do a couple of those every now and then and trying to get them trying to perfect what is done but they're pretty difficult to um master but the loon cookbook as well i've got that and croissants is one of the things i've been really trying to perfect i've done them three or four times but they are very exhausting to make because they're a three-day process so you have to make sure you've got the time and if it fails it's just you, you feel like you've just wasted three days but you have to keep going and try again. But I think I've, I'm slowly getting there and getting better and better every time I make them. Yeah, I bet you are. That's so great. Well, Harry, just such a pleasure to talk to you, to hear your passion and to yeah connect with you at this stage of your journey. Please stay in touch. Uh, we definitely want to know, you know, what happens next and next and next. I'm sure it's all going to be amazing. Um, and, yeah, really thank you so much for reaching out to me with um, this, uh, yeah, willingness to share your story. I'm sure it's going to be really inspiring for a lot of people. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure being on the podcast. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you.